All right, Dr. Aaron Werner, and welcome to another episode of Independent Insights, where we share quick conversations on topics relevant to running efficient and profitable independent private practices, also taking the best care for our patients. Uh, thanks to Vision Source for supporting this. It's their mission to enable independent optometrists to achieve their full potential. I had a great conversation today with my good friend, Dr. Joe Deloach, uh, Practice Compliance Solutions. Um, we could talk forever, but today we talked about uh, audits, uh, why we get audited by, uh, by third-party payers, a little bit about fraud and abuse, the difference between the two of them, and really some resources to learn the rules of the game. So not only do we stay out of the uh, uh, trouble with, with audits, but it's empowering and how that uh, knowing the rules of the game empowers us to, to do more, take better care of patients, provide better standard of care, and in doing all of those things, run better and more profitable practices. So enjoy the conversation. Uh, as always, share with a friend, leave us some comments, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and enjoy the episode. All right, Joe, well, this is fun. I uh, always enjoy getting to catch up and chat with you, and uh, this time we're recording the conversation. <laughs> One uh, topic that I want <laughs> Some of them we shouldn't. The safer conversation. Exactly. Um, that's why we're doing it in the morning before we, uh, we've got a tequila in front of each of us. Um, one of the, uh, the, the topics that I've heard a lot from, from, uh, from doctors, and I'm sure you have as well, is it feels like we're seeing audits happen more frequently from, uh, from all different payers, both from, from medical payers and from managed vision care payers. Um, so I want to hit a little bit on, on you know, why they have to audit, you know, are we seeing more of them or is it just feeling like we're seeing more of them? And then I want to dive into to some of the, the misconceptions that I think we have in regards to, uh, to, to getting paid and, and how audits work. Um, so let's start off with just why audits? Why, why, why do they audit us? They, you know, why do they look at us particularly? Whatever the case may be. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, well, why audits? Audits are certainly nothing new. They've audited forever. Um, you know, part of their charge as payers, whether they be public or private payers, is to show that they're making good use of the, of the money um, of their business. And they do that by checking up on, you know, whether or not doctors are doing things the right way. Um, and audits have always been very profitable for payers. There was a there was a real significant quote about six or eight years ago from the medical director of Aetna that he said that audits are actually the most profitable part of our business. Um, that actually is a horrible statement to come out of their mouth because that just shows the the pervasiveness of, you know, the problem in medical reimbursement. So, you know, why, number one, they have a charge to do that. Number two, it's it's low-hanging fruit. It's easy picking. Because no matter which profession you look at, there's a significant amount of problems with correct uh, billing and coding, and unfortunately, a significant amount of just flat-out fraud. Um, uh, it, fraud is even like an organized crime syndicate. So, I mean, there's there's massive amounts of problems. So they're looking for, you know, not only fraud, but just abuse, which is a lot of what we deal with, you know, in as medical providers, is we're just abusing the system. Um, unfortunately, there's a pretty fine line between fraud and abuse. Um, so 
that's the two reasons they do it. Uh, it's horribly profitable uh, for them to do so. You did ask why us, and that's probably even a more problematic answer uh, because it, it goes back to that old, why does the robber rob the bank? Um, well, optometry right now is looked at as a bank uh, because we tend to have a reputation of not so much in the fraud arena, but certainly in the abuse arena. Um, and I, I, you know, we'll talk later about why, uh, I suppose. Uh, but we are kind of targeted because we're not doing a stellar job of, you know, properly coding correctly for what we can or could do. Got it. So let's, you brought up fraud and, and abuse. Um, Real quick, what's the difference between the, the two and how would, you know, a scenario yeah. where you would see each of them? Yeah, it, it used to be relatively clear. Fraud was a flat out, you know, intent to be a criminal. I mean, absolutely, we're, uh, we're billing for things literally we didn't do. Um, that's fraud. You know, we're lying. So... Abuse was more that the system is set up to do it correctly a certain way, and we aren't really following those guidelines correctly. Um, the problem is they changed the language some time ago to say that doctors um, basically have an obligation to know the correct way to do it. So that really blurs the lines between fraud and abuse. Now, most everything we're seeing coming down in, in audit circles falls into the abuse category. The fraud get headlines because they're big. Um, and those usually, I mean, we, we have one going on right now, uh, but those usually are turned over to the Department of Justice to investigate because those are all criminal activities going on. Um, so most of what we see that we're doing or, or seeing within optometry, probably within medical profession in general, is abuse. We we just don't, we either don't know we're doing it wrong or we're pushing the envelope, um, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, where do we get the ideas to push the envelope later? Yeah. Well, let's let's jump into that because I think that by far and away, our intent is always good. There's not a malicious intent. We, we, we think we feel we're doing the right thing. Um, and, and sometimes what we think is the right thing, even logically what is the right thing, isn't the right thing based upon the, uh, the rules set up, set up for us. Um, and I, I can see where abuse would certainly play into that. One of the things I think that, that challenges us is that we submit a claim to see if it goes through and we get paid. And we look at that as a, a, a green light that says, hey, well, if they paid it, this must be the right thing to do. Um, and I think, unfortunately, we've all learned, some of us have learned the hard way that isn't the case. But talk to us why a payer would, would pay us on a claim that we put in, even though uh, it, it may not be right. And then how that works when they come back and audit and say, hey, this wasn't right. What are the, the repercussions? Yeah. Well, I, I think one of the, I was, I did a, podcast with Chris Wolf a few years ago. We, we actually talked about this and it's like, um, I think there's an overestimation of the sophistication of payers. 
Um, we would think they're so sophisticated that if we did anything wrong, it would just jump up on their computers. And that's just not the case. Um, they usually, in, in general, if you file a claim, most of the time you're going to get paid, even if it was totally fraud. I mean, if I just filled out a, a claim and sent it in that said I did cataract surgery on Mrs. Jones on Tuesday, if I put the right CPT and diagnosis and fill the form out correctly, I'm going to get paid, uh, even though it was total fiction. Now, that's not what you're talking about. You're talking more about like, um, you know, I, 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 I filed a claim I did. I did OCT and a fundus photo on the same day, and I got paid for both, even though we absolutely know that is breaking a, a national edit. But I got paid. Um, yeah. So the reason I got paid is some of the payers just aren't sophisticated enough to automatically tag that as, as a abusive or incorrect claim. So the, the problem we run into is exactly what you described is, you know, in meetings, sometimes from the podium, unfortunately, but a lot of times more so on blogs, we get this constant, I did it this way and I got paid. Well, getting paid just absolutely means nothing. Um, the only thing that really matters is how much of that money you keep when an auditor comes in and scrutinizes the situation and says, well, you got paid, but now you get to pay me back. The other thing that I'll sneak in there um, before I forget is there's another thing that comes up, and this has happened many times and in optometry, is I got paid, and I got paid for a long time, and no one said anything. And then all of a sudden, I get asked to submit hundreds of thousands of dollars back for something they were paying me for, for a long time. And it's like, do they have that right? Well, literally, even if it's the payer's mistake, they have the right to get the money back. So we had a monumental case where where a payer was paying for vision therapy services over a five-year period, even though it was not a stated benefit of that payer. They finally went back and recouped five years of claims stating this is not a covered benefit. So it's it, it, unfortunately, these rules don't work in our favor. It works in the payer's favor because they can even do it wrong, but they still get to get the money back. So it's back to this, this, these magical, very, very bad words of I'm getting paid. It just doesn't matter if you got paid when the auditor comes in, if it wasn't correct. Got it. And where, where is the, the ultimate place to go and look at the rules for what, what I can submit, what I, I can't submit, what the rules are? Yeah. So there's, there's several places to find out what I like to call the truth of the matter. Um, one is we have these five fraud and abuse laws in the United States. And that's where a lot of the core principles come from of why, how you have to do this. Um, those are probably the least read and least presented from the podium rules that are out there. And they're kind of the core principles. The two biggies are the False Claims Act and the anti-kickback statute. Um, there's lots of rules. I example, you know, people have heard all along, you can't waive copays. Uh, that's a, like against the law. You can't just waive copays or deductibles. 
And I hear all the time, it's like, well, Medicare says that. And Medicare never said that. That's actually in the anti-kickback statute. It's so a lot of these core principles are back there. The granddaddy of all of them is the, is the False Claims Act that says, basically, you know, I can summarize hundreds of pages by saying, you're obligated to do it the right way or we get our money back. That's pretty much the False Claims Act in one sentence. Um the second source would be definitely payor provider manuals because they pretty much spell out what they're willing to pay for and not pay for and under what situations. Now, a lot of times people say, well, I, I looked it up. I didn't see the policy on vision therapy in there. And what that means, it's, it's kind of like if you're involved in uh, legislation and optometry and you go to a, a, uh, a legislator and say, what do you think about my bill? And they say, I like that bill. That means nothing. They have to say, yes, I'm going to vote for you or no, I'm not going to vote for you. Well, that's the way these pay or provider, you know, contracts are too. If they say they cover it, they do. If it's silent, they don't. So that's the second best place. The third is we do have within our profession, some really good people that really know this stuff from a factual, ethical presentation standpoint. Certainly within Vision Source, Chris Wolf is one of those people. Um, it's a short list, I will tell you, but there are some people. I always say that anytime you're either reading an article or listening to a webinar or at a podium, and the minute it starts talking about getting paid or this is a good way to make more money, leave. Uh, because most of the time that means we're deviating away from what the rules probably say. You do have to couple that with making sure you want to get paid for everything you're doing correctly. But the rules are kind of in your favor there. You don't have to push the envelope on this stuff. You just have to do it the right way. Um, the money's there to get. You don't have to push the envelope. So that was it. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the... yeah, the fraud and abuse laws, the provider manuals, certain. Oh, I, le I left one out. CPT and ICD. It's like no one wants to go read CPT and ICD, but those are almost kind of like Bibles of reimbursement. So that the provider manuals and then the individual payor directives. That's the last one I didn't add in. So Aetna is going to have their rules. CMS is going to have their rules. The CMS carrier for your state is going to have rules that may be different than another state. It gets really complicated, but, you know, it's not rocket science. Uh, I think we make billing and coding way harder than it has to be. Um, I have a slide in my presentation that says uh, coding in one slide, you know, just be an ethical doctor and do what's right for the patient and the money will follow any questions. And it really, it, it is a little bit more complicated than that, but it really is not much more complicated than that. If you make the decision based on what's based for the patient and what's ethical to do, you're going to follow the rules 90% of the time. Nope, that makes co complete sense. And certainly uh, uh, the changes in the the 99 codes that happened, what, two years ago, three years ago? Um, yeah, 2021. The, the streamlining of them made it a whole lot easier to to get paid more. And, uh, and, and not paid more, but paid appropriately for the services that we're... we're yeah, well put. Or we're rendering. Well put.
Yeah, and now sometimes yeah, oh, go ahead. I would like to make one comment about that because you are correct, and we still have very low adoption uh, within optometry of the ninety nine thousand codes, and I think it's carryover from pre twenty twenty one, where in general, and I was probably the one one of the ones from the podium just scaring the pants off people about using the ninety nine thousand codes because you're gonna use you're gonna pick the wrong code. Typically, you're going to overcode, and they were a huge audit target. So we almost tried to talk people out of using them. And literally, what they did in 2021 just threw the switch 180 degrees. So now we're honestly, even people like me are trying. <laughs> even people like me are trying to, you know, undo that that scare we put into people, you know, long ago. Because now they're fairly straightforward. They're not difficult to use. And you're right. It does more appropriately reimburse um, for what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And once, uh, once I, I took a couple of courses, yours being one of them, Chris also took because I, I wanted to get uh, as much insights as we could. Um, not only is it, is it fairly straightforward, but I, it, it's easier to take care of patients because I'm not worried about checking off boxes. I'm, I'm just worried about doing what's right, as you said, and uh, and lo and behold, it, it you know I'm getting paid appropriately, which also happens to be more than what I was I was probably coding for previously, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. wise. Yeah. Now, one one thing we hear is that when I call a um, so we've got the manuals, we've got the the books, we've got the resources you talked about, um, and, and most of us aren't going to read them. The, uh, if we're being honest. So we, we pick up the phone and we call the 800 number for whatever third party payer. And we, we ask a question, can I do this? And we get an answer. How much weight does that interaction have or does it carry any weight at all? Zero. So, you know, again, you know, most of these answers come out of my presentations I give and, and it says, you know, the worst sources of correct coding information and number one is the payer help desk. Um, I mean, you just have to remember these are, these are low wage earners sitting answering a phone who most, you know, I, I guess I'm being judgmental, but most of them probably don't like what they're doing. And they certainly don't like talking to you, the disgruntled doctor or office manager or billing specialist. Um, and they tend to not know what their, what their payers even rules even are. So even in Medicare, it's not a great source of information. So, you know, you knock them out. The next logical question is, well, where can I get good information? And, you know, I hate to drill it down to what we already said, but it is the truth. I mean, if, if someone's looking for the magic funnel of all the right answers, it doesn't exist. Um, you, if you're going to do this correctly, it does require a little bit of effort on your part to learn what the rules say. The beauty is all we have to deal with is the eyeball. And so the rule, the policies, you know, even the number of procedures and diagnoses. I mean, think if you were a pediatrician and you basically have to know the rules from CPT page one to, you know, page thousand and whatever. We have it easy, and we're smart people. There's no reason we can't do this correctly. Yeah. I think it's, it's just not fun and sexy. I mean, there, there's nothing sexy about the CPT 
Kodak. Well, uh, you know, the, the, this whole thing falls into compliance with the law in general, and there's nothing fun about any of them. The only thing fun is running your business and seeing patients. All the rest of this peripheral stuff that was put upon us, it's not fun. And those of us like myself and Chris and John Rampakis that somehow eat all this stuff up, we must be deviants uh, to enjoy this. But, um, yeah, you, you do kind of have to you have to get out there and make the effort or suffer the financial repercussion. You know, that reminded me of a, a video clip I saw interview. I believe it was LeBron James, or uh, no, sorry, Kobe, Kobe Bryant, who uh, was talking about one of the reasons he excelled in the game, aside from his, his insane work ethic. And he said he read the referee's instruction manual from, from front to back. So he knew every aspect of the game, even what was expected and required of the referees. And when you know the rules, you can use the rules to your advantage. You're not cheating. You just know the rules. And, yeah. um, and I thought that was the pretty insightful and, and, you know, you, Chris and, and John, you know, maybe you're the, uh, the Kobe Bryant's of, of this and, uh, you know, you figured it out ahead of the rest of us and, and you're, you're reading to know the rules cause then you can, can, can play appropriately. Oh, you made, you made a really good comment. Um, so Kobe says, I understand the game and can play the game better because I understand the rules. That's brilliant. Uh, it really applies to billing and coding as well. If you really understand the rules, you're going to find that they don't limit what you can do. And many times they expand what you can do. So I, I'll use one example of, you know, probably anybody that listens to our little discussion here, every patient that comes in with rheumatoid arthritis on Plaquenil, they know exactly what to do. They know exactly what tests to run, blah, 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 blah. And there's not a single other systemic drug that they test patients for in their practice. Even though the list of uh, systemic medications that cause ocular complications is probably 30 deep and no one is paying attention to those patients. That's leaving money on the table, number one. Number two, it's really not following standard of care because we should be following those people appropriately. So Doing this correctly is not limiting your bank account. It, if you really know, it's like Kobe said, you're, you can do better if you really understand the rules. Uh, that's, that's, yes, genius and, uh, and freeing. I like that idea of, of being freeing and knowing what to do more. Now, where do I start? If, if I'm listening to this and I, I haven't, you know, done more than listen to, to you or Chris or John talk in a lecture, um, certainly there's courses that I can take, but what are some, some steps to say, you know, wh where am I at right now? What am I doing right? What can I fix? Um, and how do I uh, make sure I'm doing it right going forward? Yeah. A um, couple of things. Um, certainly anyone listening to this is smart enough to self-study. And we, we noted resources you can go to and, and read what what's there so self-study can certainly do it and number two pay it you know try to pay attention and get in the room or on the web with those people we're identifying that really are giving the correct information and pay attention to that 
to the negative of that, it's like stay off the blogs, um, except for one. <laughs> uh, Docs is a really good blog, um, but Boodox is monitored and they don't literally allow for craziness to occur, much less for inaccurate information to be spread. It's always going to be challenged in, in that, in that, you know, in, in the vision source, uh, Boodox system. Um, but the open, you know, I, I don't want to call out any of them to make some of my colleagues mad, but there's a bunch of billing and coding blogs and et cetera, et cetera. And this is a common discussion on open blogs. And I just, you know, I follow them. It's funny. I think I said this in a lecture the other day. I, I wouldn't even open them up and look at them. I follow them to get lecture material. Uh, and it's not good lecture material. It's, it's everything you're doing wrong. Uh, and it's just unfortunately true. Now there's a couple of really good people on there. Uh, Gatsby, Cheatham. I mean, there, there's some people on there that kind of know what's going on. Unfortunately, they're dwarfed by the I'm getting paid people. So the one thing to stop doing is paying attention to what the blogs tell you because they're typically financially generated. Um, third, certainly within vision source, even outside vision source, you know, and I keep, I keep going back to Chris, but Chris has a, as a, a coding primer, um, I code education, I think it's called. It's a series of, of programs that you can, um, you know, very reasonably subscribe to. Here I am pushing Chris, but it's a really, it's a really, really good system. You know, um, people that are PCS clients, we have literally what we call a reimbursement manual. Uh, that goes through, you know, all the core stuff. So anybody that's, that's a client has access to that. Um, so, you know, that's good. Uh, number three, and this is probably the most important thing. Get your records audited by a professional. Identify what you're doing wrong. Um, and there, there's, there's two big reasons to consider that. Number one, it will point out the things you're doing. Actually, three. It will point out the things you're doing incorrectly as far as your billing and coding goes. Now, this has to be an extensive audit by someone that knows what they're doing. And I've already mentioned three people again, and all three of those, myself, Chris, and John, all do audits. Um, number two, uh, it will help identify what you're not doing. So if we're going to do these audits appropriately, we want to look at what you're doing incorrectly that you may have to pay back but also money you're leaving on the table by just not following standard of care, you know, types of uh, protocols. Um, that is probably one of the most significant ways, I think, to start understanding what you're doing wrong and what you're doing right. Yep. No, absolutely. You know, it's funny. We talked uh, LeBron, uh, or basketball, I keep saying LeBron, uh, Kobe, uh, and the the all of the the big stars that we know of in in sports in in acting and music they've got coaches trying to refine what they do you're the best in the game you're still trying to get better you're the best in the game you're still trying to get better you're paying somebody to to watch you and make you better um, yet we operate in the dark and and the idea of somebody watching us the idea of somebody coming in and auditing let alone us paying you or Chris or John to come in and look at my records and tell me what I did right and wrong is is a scary thought uh, until you go through the process and realize that it's a very yeah. empowering 
thought, but it's it's an interesting concept to me that you know, the, the sports heroes that we look up to have figured this out, and uh, but but we haven't gotten quite there yet. Yeah, you know, one of the one of the quotes you'll hear a lot from the big coding people is, you know, you don't know what you don't know, and, and that's more than billing and coding, but it is true. You don't know what you don't know. So it's it shouldn't be a fear. It sh- you said empowering. It should be empowering to know what you're doing correctly and doing incorrectly. Um, and it's a terrific investment. None. I mean, I know the the fees for all these people. It's 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 crazy cheap money for the for the empowering knowledge that you're going to get from that. Um, so that I would very strongly, you know say that's one of the top things you need to do is set your baseline. Where am I now? You may find that you're pretty dead gum good. And then, you know, the goal from there is not, not a very, you know, rugged path. And you may find out that, oh my goodness, this is terrible. And so you got a lot of work to do, but that's a really good way to set the starting point. Well, let's, I, I, the, the idea just hit me. We started at the beginning about audits and you made the comment that, um, that, that somebody in the auditing or the, the payer community said that that's their largest source of revenue is, is audits. Um, I, I almost think that investing the time and the money to, to learn the rules and then have you or, or Chris or John come and audit, that same principle applies to us, right? The, the, the dollars and the time that we spend here We'll pay dividends, and uh, and and if the same the one principle is being used by the insurance company for them to make money, we should use the same yeah. principle for us, right? Let's audit ourselves. Let's figure out how to do better, and uh, and be more empowered, be freer, and by taking better care of of patients, you know, we get paid more appropriately for our services. Yeah, yeah, you know, and then, and everybody knows they're kind of getting crunched lately with reimbursement going down and all that. And there, there's really only two ways to, you know, to take home more money. And one is to increase the money you're bringing in. And two is to decrease what you're losing. And I think that's the part people don't really latch on to enough until they're one of the unfortunates that get stung by one of these big audits. That um, you, you know, all that work and, you know, honing your multiple sale protocols, all that stuff and buying you know, diagnostic instrument, it can go out the window with one bad audit. Um, so it's essential to not have the leak, you know, on the backside. And the only way you can stop that is, um, is to do things correctly. And I want to add one point here. And I, I go back to a conversation that Chris and I had where we talked about when you, when you speak about audits, unfortunately, sometimes the response is fear and it really shouldn't be fear. So a lot of docs operate their billing and coding under fear and invariably they're going to do it wrong if they do that. So we shouldn't fear the reimbursement potentials and we shouldn't fear what the rules say. Um, We should, you know, what that typically leads to, if if you look at billing patterns, and I'm going to strictly talk about medical here, for a minute, but you, if you look at the amount of medical care optometry is delivering, we have this rather weird graph that starts out with a big hump at the beginning, which is people doing nothing. 
either because they choose to or a lot of times because they fear that Aetna's going to come in and take all my money back away from me. So I just won't do anything. Then we have this, you know, unfortunately smaller in the middle where I think is a good balance. And then we have this small hump at the end that goes, that spikes to the roof, which is the true abusers, even some of the fraudulence. Um, so it's a weird, it's a weird hump. What we want is that big hump in the middle. And we really don't have that in optometry, but we should. Yeah, well, education is going to get us there. And so I appreciate what, uh, what you and Chris and, and John and others are, are doing. Um, I know they don't teach us this in school. Um, I got my thoughts on that and I, you know, school's job is to, is to get us to pass, uh, the boards so that we can become doctors, but the, the individual yeah. responsibility, um, is on, is on us. I would love they, I would love if they love it if they did. Uh, yeah. but they, they've got their hands full teaching us everything they're teaching us just to get to the, to this point. Yeah, that's an interesting debate. Um, <laughs> what their responsibilities are or not, but uh, um, yeah, you know, I think they, I think they could do a better job, and I'll leave it at that. I, I, I yep. So cool. Well, thanks, John. Uh, appreciate the, uh, the the time as always, and I uh, look forward to having more discussions with you on uh, on, on compliance, how to keep doing a. a a better job of doing what we do and uh, so that we can keep taking care of patients, our practices and driving the profession forward. Anytime, buddy. Awesome. The hard part was uh, slowing down on that because we could have kept going for another two hours. Yeah. When, when, uh, <laughs> Chris and I did, I guess two or three years ago, we did one on billing and coding. And I think we went well over an hour and we both got through and went, this could have gone all afternoon. I mean, it's just, because then you get into the specifics of what are the main things we're doing incorrectly, which is not as big a list as you might think. I mean, it, it falls into probably five or six things that if we eliminated those five or six things, people would be 90 percent better off so again we don't have a big reimbursement yeah we don't have a huge reimbursement bible to go by it's pretty small because we're a single organ specialty but we predominantly do about five or six things incorrectly and when i look at those five or six things it almost i hate the word systemic but it feels like it's just a a bad copy getting passed on, getting passed on. It's, it's bad habits that are perpetuated is the right word I'm looking for. Yeah. They're just are perpetuated and somebody's not stopping it and saying, no, this isn't how we do it. You know, this isn't the right way. There's a better right way or a, yeah. a right or right way where you can still make just as much money, perhaps even more, yeah. but you're not playing the game. Yeah. I, I use the example of, uh, I have a picture of John Bon Jovi with his bare chest, you know, when he was 22 years old and all hot looking. And, uh, and I use the example of a lot of optometrists live their professional career off one of his songs called living on a prayer. And it's like, that is it. I mean, we, yes. we, it's like, 
they fear and know that there's all this world of rules out there, but they operate in the living on a prayer arena, which is, I just hope I don't get caught. And the reality of the situation is most of them won't get caught. So it's like, it's like a gamble that almost you are in favor instead of the house. But if you do, it's dramatic. I mean, dramatic. I mean, like I said, I mean, I'll give you one. Are we still recording? Oh, we are. I can stop. Okay. Well, it doesn't matter. Um, I'll give you, I'll give you a perfect example. This will go on. Yeah, I give you a perfect example of this getting paid and insanity of everybody knows the right answer and does it wrong anyway, and it's credentialing. So it's billing for non-credential doctors. Um, and the blogs invariably will go to, I've done it this way for years. I've never had a problem. I've done it this way for years. I got paid every time. On and on and on and on. I don't know of anyone who's ever been tagged for this. It goes on and on and on. Well, I do. I know a doc in Arkansas that got tagged for $176,000 for billing for non-credential providers. You know, and when I say those numbers, it's like that erases a whole lot of effort to run a good company when you have to write that check. There's also some misconception that like general liability would cover that if you make a mistake. <laughs> it's like, no, it does not. That comes out of your bank account, you know, and hopefully the money's there. So that's just one example of these perpetuated myths. Uh, and they get perpetuated to some degree, honestly, because a lot of doctors don't get caught. So I'll, you know, I'll at least talk about, you know, the rule about, you know, I'm not a very good rule follower until it comes to government, but I got a lead foot and I can't stay within the speed limit to save my life. And so I'm elected. I mean, I, they call it reckless indifference. I mean, I know the law and I break it anyway. And the majority of the time I don't get caught, but I pay a lot of tri- I pay a lot of ticket fines. You know, I just, I'm very honest about it. I, I can't seem to stay under the speed limit very well. St- that's a conscious decision on my part. And I paid the result of getting caught. 170, no one's ever been issued a ticket for $176,000. I mean, paying a traffic ticket and getting in trouble for these, these kinds of issues, there's, there's no comparison. So part of it is this living on a prayer and the prayer works a lot of times until it doesn't. It's interesting, the analogy with driving, because we all know what the speed limit is. Yeah. And, and so we're, we're willingly, uh, uh, to your point, you're, you're, you're knowingly breaking it. You're knowingly saying, hey, I can, you know, 10 miles over, I'm probably, say, 15. It's a little scary, <laughs> yeah. you know, depending on the All the rationalization. The, the red and blue. Uh-huh. And um, uh, uh, on the flip side, though, in, in the compliance world, now it's not just building and coding, but all compliance. You know, we, we, we think the rule is our rational thought. Well, this makes sense to me. Well, that's yeah. stupid so that, that we don't have to follow that. I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I don't know a single doc who's, who's uh, you know, OSHA certified, maybe you, right? OSHA certified, HIPAA certified, expert in all of these 
and a rule maker in all of these spaces to, to really understand the ins and outs. Just, just follow the rules. Or at least know the rules and, and be comfortable with whatever gray space that you want to play in. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's not the army anybody signed up for when they decided to become a doctor, no matter what kind of doctor you are. Um, we signed up to take care of patients. And some of us even enjoy the, the, you know, the day-to-day just business person aspect of running our business. But even in that arena, we never signed up for HIPAA, for OSHA, for patient disability laws, for all the dadgum coding and billing rules, et cetera, et cetera. That's just not fun. And, it, you know, it's common, it's human nature to avoid things that don't, that aren't fun, that don't have a positive feedback to us. Unfortunately, all of these rules have nothing but a negative feedback. I mean, no one goes home at night and goes, I feel so much better about being a doctor because I'm compliant with HIPAA. I mean, it just doesn't happen. But <laughs> what what is real bad is when the opposite happens and you get stung because you're not. Um, and it's just a whole different arena. So it, it's a, it's all negative. There's no there's no feel good for doing it the right way as a rule, other than you can. And certainly in billing and coding, you can say, I'm not frauding anybody. I'm not frauding the government. I'm not frauding my patients. I feel good about that. But, you know, the the impact we look for a lot of times in running our business is the bottom line. And, you know, it's not sexy. And following this stuff doesn't, as a rule, positively impact your bottom line. It can just severely negatively impact your bottom line. 